Welcome to another episode of Up To. Eight years ago, Up To started as a live event series showcasing leaders who are as humble as they are successful. The humility piece is extremely important as we identify leaders who can inspire others. We try to focus our interviews on the non-business aspects of their lives, and in doing so, have found that there is a real thirst to explore their hearts and minds in atypical ways. Our host, as always, is Adam Kaufman, and our guest today is Kalika Yap. We're glad you've joined us. We'll be right back. Hello, my name is Adam Kaufman, and I'm thankful you're joining us today on the Up To podcast. I want to tell you about a group that I'm grateful for, and that is Town Hall, Cleveland's most popular restaurant, and one that I can say is the only place my wife tells me she can eat every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Town Hall was the first all-non-GMO restaurant in the U.S. a few years ago, and they're now expanding into Columbus, Ohio soon. I'm also very selective about who we choose to partner with for this podcast, and it was with open arms that I embraced the idea of partnering with Bobby George and Town Hall. To learn more about what they're up to, you can visit townhallohiocity.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Up To Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Kaufman. Our guest today is a repeat entrepreneur, an inventor, a published author, a podcast host, a wife, and a mom. She's known for inventing the Lux Link, a fashion accessory that hangs women's purses to keep them off the floor. I know my wife loves her links and Kalika even patented the hooks. She's the founder and CEO of an interactive design and consulting agency, Citrus Studios, based in Santa Monica, California. She's also the founder of The Waxing Company in Honolulu. And more recently, she founded Orange and Bergamot, offering community and digital solutions for female founders. Impressively, her companies have been featured in Entrepreneur Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, the LA Business Journal, the Huffington Post, on the Today Show, on CNN, MSNBC, and Microsoft's Entrepreneurial Week. Earlier this year, Harper published her little brand book. We'll dove into that a little bit. And she's also the host of Wonders, a widely listened to and watched podcast she hosts in conjunction with Entrepreneurs Organization. She's a museum trustee. She has run seven marathons. Wow. And she and her husband have two daughters. Amazing. Kalika Joy Yap, welcome to Up To. Hi, Adam. How are you? Thank you for having me on. That is quite to be here. a bio and there's more, but I wanted to not spend the full 40 minutes talking about your accomplishments. I wanted to talk to you more in person, but you've, you've been up to quite a bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> well, what have you been up to lately? How has the COVID protocol been for you, all things considered? You know, for the first week, I was really down and out. I was really, usually if something happens, it'll take me like three days. But this one took me about a week to to sort of recover. But I got to tell you, I think, and I don't tell this to a lot of people because a lot of people aren't having the same experience. It's probably the best thing that Mm. has ever happened to me. What do you mean by Uh, that? It was a way for me to really reset everything in my life. And you realize how much time you're really wasting. I am no longer commuting to meetings. I am no longer jumping on a plane for mm-hmm. EO. I was supposed to be in South Africa and Japan and all this running around. And you realize that you can accomplish so much online 
and I can spend so much time with my family and yes. it is organized. And I think the best part of it is that here I am in the world influencing everyone else, but not having the opportunity to influence my own family. Mm. So when you're around your own family, you can share, you can coach, you can organize, you can uplift, you can teach. So mm-hmm. it has been phenomenal. It has been really a blessing in disguise. That is refreshing to hear. And to continue with that thought, I know working out of home as well, the children have been sponges around, even if I'm not teaching them in the moment, but they hear who I'm interacting with or see what I'm working on. Right. And a lot, your, your children are even younger than mine. And I know they're, they're sponges at this age. They do not follow what you say. They follow what you do. Yes. They see me do my meditation practice. They see me working out. They see me drinking celery juice, even though I know that they won't. But that's what I remembered growing up. When, when I left for college, I remembered what my parents would do. And then I would do those same actions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now what a fantastic opportunity for them to be around, be around parents that really care and show, you know, and of course they also see me reacting. Um, like I was having some issues with one of my designers and I was giving him some coaching and I was giving him some tough love and mm-hmm. he stepped up to the occasion and they saw me celebrate him. And then they came into the room. They're like, what was that there? I was just like, yeah, that's what it is. And I started pounding my chest and I started like going, yes, this is what we want. And then the whole atmosphere, you know, changed, you know, I'm pretty you know, animated and dramatic, but it made people feel good to see how I can celebrate these little successes and it's for the good of everyone. So yes. it's phenomenal. So these are some silver linings for sure during this unusual COVID period. Are there any of these things you'll keep post COVID? Will you work from home more often, for instance, travel less or any other ways to expose your children to your work life? Once we get out of the pandemic? Yes, I think I'm going to continue. I think that we're going to be in this situation for about three or four years. Earlier, when this started happening, I asked my forum, you know, you know, the entrepreneurs organization, you have a forum. And one of my friends was like, oh, you know, this is going to be over by June. So your forum is like a personal board of directors. Correct. Okay. And somebody thought it would be over in June. And I told them it was like three or four years. And I think what you have to realize is you have to realize how your habits have changed. For Mm -hmm. me, I canceled my membership for the gym. I know you're still going to the gym. I canceled my membership. Mm -hmm. I um, no longer getting my hair done. I was getting my hair done three times a week. I stopped getting my hair done too. (laughs) I don't know why people laugh. I don't know why people laugh. What have you learned about yourself, honestly, during this time, you're already a reflective human being. That's one of the things I like about you, very self-reflective. But have you learned anything new about yourself? You know, there's a great quote by Albert Camus, French philosopher, says, um, in the depth of winter, I finally learned that within me lays an invincible summer. Mm. And I think that this COVID thing, your true self shows up. The good and the bad. Yeah. I really don't think of it as bad, but I think of your learning, mm-hmm. you know, and every single day I'm learning something new. I'm, every single day I'm looking at different trends and it's exciting. I mean, you know, the waxing company in, in Honolulu had to shut down, like it shut down for 
a couple of months. It's shut down mm-hmm. right now. And so, you know, mm-hmm. of course I have issues with, with business, you know, marketing, you know, projects are being canceled, but what a huge opportunity. You know what we're going to do for the waxing company? What we're doing right now mm-hmm. is we're putting content online. We're going to teach people how to wax. We're going to teach people how to start their own waxing company. Smart. Like, that's what we're doing. Like we're, we're, we're digitizing everything. You're digitizing your expertise. You're already an opinion leader in the salon, so to speak. And now you can do that virtually. I would have never done that. And you can scale that. I can't For scale sure. my waxing salon. You know? That's what everyone keeps talking about is COVID has, in terms of business, it's accelerated inevitable change. So at some point you might've eventually thought, why don't I become an online expert waxing? But now, or your team members there can do all that and they're forced to do that maybe sooner than they would have otherwise thought to do that. Just like you and I are talking right now, I'm not in Santa Monica and you're not in Cleveland, but here we are. And what a joy it is, right? To reconnect with such another incredible human being like you are. (laughs) Thank you. This is amazing. We would have never been having this conversation. You're right. You're right. Because of this, like, that's amazing. Right. So do you think you will return to a post-COVID old ways, like office place setting? I'm really interested in talking to operating entrepreneurs who have staffs. What is your staff saying? Like, we never want to come back. Twitter famously said to their employees, they never have to come back, remote work forever. But there has lately been more movement towards return to the workplace. People are missing some of the collaborative creativity. What, what are you thinking about that currently? And the story isn't done, but what's your current thinking on that? There is a fantastic podcast that Matt Mullenweg and Sam Harris did. I don't know if you know Sam Harris, the, the neuroscientist, yeah. about the yep. future of work. It has changed and it has changed permanently. And I think the, the reason why I think that we're not going back to the status quo is there was a stigma about working from home. So even though the founder of Basecamp, Jason Fried, has been working from, he's been touting, you know, I've been a client of Basecamp, which is a project collaboration tool. Yeah, we use Basecamp. For over 20 mm-hmm. years. Yeah, good 20 company. 20 years. Mm-hmm. And he's been touting this. You know, he wrote a book. What was it called? Rework or something like that. Like, they've been talking about this for years. But mm-hmm. there's a stigma, you know, because I do website design and People would always say, oh, you work from home with with this condescending tone. Yeah, a little unfavorably, for sure. It's smarter. (laughs) So what do you think, though, post-pandemic? Because this will end. And do you think you'll have a return to the workplace? You know, the people that are having the hardest times are the ones with young, young families. Yes. Kids that are under the age of five. That's the difficult part. I look at my team and some of them are commuting two hours a day to get to work. Mm. And if I can remove that two hours a day and they have an opportunity to work out, they have an opportunity to read a book, mm-hmm. they have an opportunity to hike. Sleep another better, hour, spend another hour with one of their kids. Right. I mean, be with their family. Why not? Become a better version of themselves, including performing for the company. Right. But I did install you know, software on their computers. I had to go get everyone computers and laptops because I had to monitor, you know, and the the phenomenal employees just continue to be phenomenal. And the ones that are like, "Mm," Mm -hmm. you have to coach. Right. You uh, 
have the type of career I really like doing multiple things. You don't do just yes. one thing. You're not just making one type of widget like so many of our mutual friends are known for one particular product or service. How do you decide what types of work to pursue, Kalika, and when do you say no to things? I'm sure you're stimulated with so many different opportunities. How do you filter that? Well, I know it's really random, but because I have an agency, I have a product, and then I have a service salon, you know, mm-hmm. and I invested in my sister-in-law's company. And then she divorced my brother. And so I took it on 100%. So that's that, because people are like, waxing, like you're not an esthetician. What's mm-hmm. that all about? Mm-hmm. So that I would call kind of generally opportunistic, that scenario. It's not like you were a lifer in the waxing world, but that was an opportunistic situation that you decided to keep going with. I, I don't know if you knew this, Adam, but we were the first waxing salon in Honolulu. Mm. Okay. We all wear bikinis in Honolulu. Why are we the first? <laughs> That's definitely opportunistic because right. in LA, there's a waxing salon in every corner. And I was thinking, why is there not one? So it made sense to me. Right. So that was opportunistic. And then you have these other pursuits I described in your outfit. Plus you have like ele- what I call electives, different charities you get involved in, civic causes, political campaigns, EO, which is a huge monster of commitment and time. So how do you decide where to jump in and while still respecting the family needs and, you know, your hopes to do things with them too? Well, I think that there are just ideas and concepts that just seize you. Like for the LuxLink, the purse hook, my grandmother told me that if you put your purse on the floor, it means you're going to lose money. So I didn't want to lose money. So I invented it Mm. um, based on another product that had seen. There were all these J hooks, gigantic hooks where you could use it to hang your purse. And my, my idea was just like, why does it have to be so big? But that, this idea would not let me go. It is every single, and, and at this point I already had such a studios. And at that time it was difficult. Uh, you know, my company was young. I think it was like only a couple years old. And I thought to myself, like, why would anyone in their right mind start a second company? Because one company is already difficult. But I find mm-hmm. that if you do create a framework, you understand your values personally and with business, it's easy for you to make decisions and mm. you just need clarity. And so how I make decisions is based on, does it resonate with my core values? My core values spell out the word charm, change the world, have heart, all in, be remarkable and make lemonade out of lemons. And if it resonates with that, you know, like the reason why I'm involved with EO, you know, we empower entrepreneurs to change the world. Done. Check. It's important to know who you are. And a lot of times, I mean, my purpose, my, my whole goal with Orange Bergamot, my latest startup is to help a million female founders you know, flourish and create a million jobs. So if I'm able to do that, I would feel satisfied. Have there been ever opportunities that you passed on that you wish you jumped into? Okay, so I don't know if you know this, but Michael Dubin actually used to work at Citrus, my company. Michael Dubin is the founder of the Dollar Shave Club. So I would have loved to invest, you know. I'm a and- customer. His video was so famous. His video went viral and that really put them on the map. Did you help produce that video? Not the video, but I used to take him to EO events. Oh my goodness. Like, I wish he asked me for money. Mm-hmm. He didn't ask me for money. You know, we is helped he still him with involved? 
with the company now that they've sold to, I think Unilever or not. Yeah, not for a P&G. billion dollars. Yeah, I think he's still CEO. Well, I'm a, I'm a loyal customer. The next time you talk to him, I use his products uh, almost every day. He's so you amazing. wish you got more involved there. Is there, is there ever a, a project that you'd be comfortable saying you probably shouldn't have gotten involved in that it took too much time or it was kind of a, a, a treadmill to nowhere? I'm really interested in how busy people who achieve filter opportunities. We, we, we all miss things and we all take on things that maybe we shouldn't have. So I, it's kind of one of my favorite topics. I hope you don't mind me continuing to ask about it. Yeah, I know. So in the beginning, like I would say yes to everything and I would mm-hmm. give, give money everywhere. Yes, yes, Whether yes. Or not it was museums, right. cancer. I would run marathons for people. I would be raising money. And it was really, there was no theme. Mm. Now my theme is entrepreneurs. I believe that entrepreneurs solve problems that make the world better. So if I, just like you, you're helping other entrepreneurs learn and grow right now. That's my thesis. Mm -hmm. I'm going down that path. I love that. And did your personal mission statement and that acronym come out of an activity that you were involved in or you just came up with that on your own or was it a book that you read or a speaker that you saw? How did you come about creating these, these you know, tenets of your personal mission? The, this came out of what I learned from EMP, the Entrepreneurs Master's Program at MIT. Got it. And we had someone from a company called Nurse Next Door talking to us about core values. Mm-hmm. And there was an activity that they did. They said, everyone stand up. Everyone stood up. If you know your core values, stay standing. 10 people sat down. Then they said, sit down if your employees know your core values. Mm. Sit down if your clients know your values. I sat down. Mm -hmm. So I came up with an acronym because I needed to remember it myself. Mm -hmm. And I needed it to resonate with my company. So my company is called Citrus. And my other company is Orange. There's a citrus thing. So... We came up with make lemonade out of lemons. I know that the words integrity and trust aren't in there because it's just a given, you know, and plus you, you need to have that, um, the core values generate a feeling, mm-hmm. right? Like y- your core values shouldn't be the same as someone else's core values. So, you know, that song by black, the black eyed peas, I got a feeling, you know, it just makes you just feel like oh, dancing. Happy song. Yeah. Great song. Isn't that the best, that song really talks about branding. I mean, that's basically teaching business in a sense, right? Like the reason why you buy from someone is because it generates a feeling. You know, I got a feeling as an entrepreneur, you have a feeling, you have an inkling that you want to do this. You know, it's not here. It's not in your brain. It's not, it's not, right. Absolutely. So when you're talking about, you want to help people who are humble, you know, those qualities exist here in, in your heart. Mm-hmm. So. It's funny you brought up the Black Eyed Peas song because Will I Am, the lead singer, is famously now a pretty successful entrepreneur on his own and a technologist, much more than a lot of the artists. So good song choice. I think our producer, I'll ask him to play, play, as m- play as much of that song as we can on the podcast without getting in trouble <laughs> legally. Whether I'm, it's- not, I'm not sure we'll be able to get away with that. <laughs> Well, you're also a risk taker and and thanks for talking about how you filter ideas, but you're also a risk taker. You've taken some chances. Any of them not succeed? 
Or are you batting a thousand percent? You know, me and my husband are completely different. You know, when, when I, I think I had like um, Citrus Studios and LuxLink and then I told him like, oh, I want to invest in the waxing company. And he looked at me and he was just like, what the heck is wrong with you? Mm. Like, why would you do this? Why would you put $150,000 of our money into, into this? And I just said, I have a feeling that it's going to do really well. Mm-hmm. And then we were profitable in three months. So I think that there's a difference between being a risk taker and being an intelligent risk taker. That's definitely true in my world of venture capital. We have constantly entrepreneurs in front of us, but we need to figure out how much of a risk tolerance we have. And we're trying to figure out if in their gut, they have the ability to roll with the punches and the stick that I think is innate in you. But it's hard to analyze the chances sometimes that we take. You know, we talk a lot about a lens, you know, so one exercise I tell the people that I mentor is take a look at a camera, right? You pick up a camera and you look through one lens, right? You see just a little bit of a landscape. You put the camera down and you yourself, you can look at the entire thing. Sam Harris in his podcast and his meditation app says, make your gaze very wide, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And that's basically what you're trying to do as someone who's an investor, as an entrepreneur, you're really trying to look at the landscape as a mm-hmm. whole, right? I took this, um, it was a self-defense class. Don't mess and so with one, Kalika. And so one thing that they taught us was if you put your arms out like this, right, on the side, you, do you see how you can see with your peripheral vision mm-hmm. what's happening here, right? Mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. see it, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you turn just another, like a quarter, you know, you can see what's happening here to the left and the right, right? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. if you, you do the same thing, right? And now you're seeing 360 around you by just doing a turn, a left and a right turn. You can see 360. And I think that entrepreneurs need to have that type of vision. And a lot of times too, because a lot of people can't see what's happening behind they get a coach. And so for me, meditation helps me with seeing the bigger picture, right? The wider angle and having an entrepreneurial coach and having a tribe that can watch your back. Mm-hmm. Y- you can make the right decisions. Do you have a coach or are you referring to your forum group right now? No. Yeah, I do have a coach. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Good for you. Yeah. Are you allowed to tell me like his strategic coach or just a private individual or one of the companies or is it a Gazelle's program or scaling up or EOS? I do EOS, but yeah, no. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. That's cool. But it's more like a spiritual business coach. Guru, got it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that actually (laughs) relates to what I was about to say with your prior comment. What you just described in having perspective and moving back and seeing the big picture I refer to that as God's kaleidoscope. And if Mm. you think of a kaleidoscope and if you're right in front and you just see a blue dot, but if you go all the way back through the cylinder and it's a beautiful mosaic and how it all fits together, all the pieces. So you need that broader, more distant perspective, kind of like you were saying with stretching out your arms and turning to the right or the left, kind of similar. The kaleidoscope. That is a beautiful metaphor. Feel free to use it. I'm going to buy it. I'm writing it down. I'm getting a kaleidoscope. 
if I ever write a book, and I, I'm not sure that I will, but it'll be called God's Kaleidoscope and how I feel like all the pieces in my life fit together. But sometimes in the moment, you're like, why is this happening? Why is this blue dot right in front of me? But then as I go back or I reflect backwards five years after the fact, I see why that had to happen in order to get to the next thing, which is the beautiful mosaic of the kaleidoscope. Yeah, that is stunning. And I mm. love that. I, I, can, I can see it immediately. So it is a beautiful, beautiful picture. You're listening to the Up To Podcast. We'll be right back. One of the aspects of podcasting I enjoy the most is the ability to delve into long-form discussions without any interruption other than a periodic commentary about one of our partners. I'm grateful that Calfi, Ohio-based law firm, has agreed to partner with us. They have offices throughout Ohio and also in Washington, D.C., in New York, and Indianapolis, too. They are a full-service firm, every type of legal need. One example I'll share right now, because so many of our listeners are entrepreneurs, is not too long ago, a friend of mine sold his company to a public corporation. And with that came some restrictions and ramifications on his future employment. And to navigate through that properly, he asked my advice. And without hesitation, I recommended Calfi because I knew they'd have the right type of specialist to help him with his particular needs. And my friend continues to rave about that experience. And I'm very grateful that Calfi has agreed to partner with Uptu. So whether it's selling your own business or the more routine needs of creating your first will or anything in between, uh, this firm can really do it all in terms of legal needs. Once again, the firm is Calfi. You can find them at C-A-L-F-E-E.com or on the Uptu Foundation website. During the first season of the Uptu podcast, I had several companies and entrepreneurs approach me about potential partnerships, but I'm really selective before choosing to do something like that. One choice we did make happily is to partner with Vivid Front a full-service digital marketing and website design agency based in Cleveland that works with both local and national brands. They've built their entire client base on referrals, and they've won a lot of awards, including the 2019 Inc. Magazine Top 5,000 Fastest Growing Companies, North Coast's Top Places to Work, and several others. They're known for their talent, they're known for their creativity, they're known for their culture, a firm I liked before we agreed to partner together for the show. Check out vividfront.com or you can email me and I'll introduce you to their dynamic leader, Andrew Spott. Welcome back. You're listening to the Up To Podcast with Adam Kaufman. Today's guest is Kalika Yap. Tell me more about you. Like you mentioned meditation for a moment and I remain just so impressed with how you do so many different things and juggle them. And I've met your daughters and I certainly have met Rodney and your family life does not seem to suffer at all given all that you're doing at work. I know meditation is important to you. And you, you said something to me once, go slow to go fast. So can you talk about that a little bit? You know, the Pareto principle, mm -hmm. right? focus on the 20% that will make the 80% better, right? I mean, yes. generally. Move the needle. I mean, that's what meditation does. It is the most important thing. When I'm meditating, so this morning I meditated for an hour and 15 minutes. Whoa. It is the most important thing. And in my mind, no matter whatever happens, 
I tell myself, this is the most important thing that you have to do today, every day. Because if you're not, you know, from Stephen Covey's sharpening a saw, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you know why I meditate every day? Do you take a bath every day? Do you brush your teeth every day? Yeah, we do. Part of the daily routine. Stress comes to us every single day. Mm-hmm. There's no, how are you going to clean all that up? You do that. How do you re-energize yourself? Because I believe it's energy, not time that creates high performance. So energy, how do you renew time. yourself every yeah. single day? You can do that through meditation. You can do that through prayer. You can do that through working out. So for the beginner who isn't good at or even familiar with meditating, someone doesn't start with an hour and a half. How, how, how would you coach someone to get started with that? Because it's in a very attractive result, the way you describe it. More productivity, more relaxed, less stress. But it seems like the barrier to entry is intimidating. Meditation. So again, th- this was part of my lessons from EMP, the Entrepreneur's Master's Program. They said, select one thing. You know, they had the book, the one thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so it took me a while to figure out what my one thing was going to be, right? You could only pick one thing. That one thing was a keystone habit that leads to better habits. So that, I got to tell you, it took me six months for me to even be able to sit still. But you know me, like once I write it down, I'm going to yeah, meditate. It's, it's a goal, but it's hard though. Like I, I'm in the mode you just described. I cannot sit still for three minutes without thinking of the to-dos in my head or the problem that I need to deal with or what I'm excited about even. I just can't turn my brain off. And guess what? You're not supposed to. Keep going. Do you turn, do you turn off your heart? No. Your mind is your mind. It's the awareness that your mind is chattering. It's that awareness that you're looking for. Mm. You're not supposed to stop breathing. People think like, oh, I can't stop my thoughts. Of course you're not supposed to stop your thoughts. Your thoughts are you. But the, the thing, okay, they're not you. Everyone identifies with their thoughts, but that is not who you really are. You know, you're, you're energy, you are this infinite spirit, you are this abominable spirit, you are a diamond, you know, that is in there and, and people don't see it. You know, you are the shining light that's been inside. But I, okay, it took me, so for someone who is considering dipping their toe in it. Yes. This is what I did. I, I took a six week course at UCLA. On I meditation? Took, on meditation, six weeks. Whoa. I took a transcendental meditation. I had to take it twice and I paid money. I paid like $1,000 or $2,000 each time because I just couldn't, you know, I had to have someone train me just like a coach. Transcendental meditation is very popular in the CEO community now, even on Wall Street. I'm amazed at how many uber achievers or Jim Collins level five leaders do practice transcendental meditation. There's something to that. I haven't figured it out yet, but there really is. Yeah, because if you don't, if you cannot control your thoughts or not even aware of your thoughts, like I didn't even know that I would have all these just random thoughts. If you have 90,000 thoughts a day and they're not helpful, Mm -hmm. then my mom called me 
my mom, my sister called me every single time. My mom, and sister called me I'm like, Oh my gosh, what happened? You know, like there's something big that happens. Right. And so my cousin is getting divorced after, you know, 25, 30 years or, of, of marriage. And they wanted to talk about that. They wanted to, to, to gossip about that. And I basically told them just like, Oh, great. I'm glad that you told me. They were like, well, how do you feel about it? I said, I feel neutral. Like what I, it, they wanted to gossip by it. And I just said, it's just a waste of time. So instead I was telling them like, okay, well, I'm working on this digital course. Can you guys give me some feedback on some of the stuff that I want to teach? And I, I redirected the way I wanted the conversation to go because I did mm-hmm. not want to talk about my cousin who's got five kids and now he's dating someone. Like, I just didn't want to talk about that. It's, we have such little time in this world and without this awareness Wherever your attention goes, energy flows. It's a waste of time. Like I want to change the world. So, you know, I want to focus on that. I'm thinking about your mother calling you about the family member getting divorced. And that wasn't on like that game plan for you that day. You're focused on these other things and that's good to be focused. But do you ever think about giving yourself time to just mentally meander. Maybe it's when you meditate. We had a guest on the show who was the co-CEO of the Davos World Economic Forum, Philippe Bourguignon, lovely person. And he talks about meandering. That's his main kind of activity, mentally and physically meandering. So that day when your mom called you, you weren't in the mood to meander. But do you ever put yourself in a situation where you can meander and just let your creativity distractions become at the forefront of your mind and your heart? That happens to me all the time. And so when I'm in my meditation practice, I actually have a journal with me because okay. I realize like all the ideas come, you know, because they, 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 they come up like a spring. When I take a walk, I have a tiny notebook that I write down. Um, at the Peloton on my bike, I have my notes because I'll, I'll think of something, you know, like, this morning on the Peloton, I thought of, we trained for tenacity. Like that came up and I wrote it down. That came into your head. Okay. So that's interesting. So when you're exercising, whether it's walking or running or on the uh, Peloton, you're not listening to music or to podcasts. You're, you're letting your mind wander a little bit. No, I, I'm actually taking the on-demand course, but these little inklings, they pop up. And I think okay. that's what the mind is for. A mind is a terrible master, but a wonderful servant. That's what your mind is for. Mm. It's, it's to put connections together that weren't there. You know, like it's taking a look like, oh, look at the airport industry. How do they onboard clients? How do they do that so quickly? Can I take that onboarding idea and put it in my business? How do you learn? How do you uh expose yourself to new learning opportunities? Is it most through conferences or peers or books that you read? Because you're referring to many books right now, but like, how do you even decide what to read? Because there are so many business books. There are so many podcasts other than yours and the Up To podcast. I know there's nothing better to listen to, but like, how do you decide even what to, to learn from? The best recommendations are always from other entrepreneurs. I learned um, never split the difference from one of my friends who's in YPO, Chris Voss, the FBI negotiator. That was the best negotiation book I've ever read. And I've read a ton of them. Um, but Never Split I the learned, Difference? Never Split the Difference. Fantastic book. Okay. I it haven't read a, that. Oh, my goodness. It, it was, 
Um, I'm going to write that down. I'll give you one tip he talks about. He doesn't like how people compromise. He said, okay, if you're going to wear shoes, right? Are you going to wear a brown shoe and a black shoe? No. Why would you do that? He's just like, that's what happens when you have bad compromising happening. Well, that reminds me to your all in ethos a little bit. You're all in with black shoes or you're all in with brown shoes. You're all in. And and then he said like, okay, here's a hostage. You're going to take one arm and I'm going to take the other arm. No, that's not going to happen. Anyway, it's phenomenal. He is a phenomenal teacher as well. Um, But I learned from my kids. What's something your kids have taught you? To listen. How are you doing with that? They have a, not a safe word, but they basically, they basically tell me when they think I'm not listening to them, you know, <laughs> and I, and I gave them permission to do that because mm-hmm. what I realized, and I, you know, after again, EMP, they said, what do you think? Ask your family, what is it that you want them to improve on? And they said, you gotta, you gotta be a better listener. And, you know, sometimes they'll come in and I'm in the middle of like, recording a podcast and they'll come in and they want me to give them their full attention. So there are now rules where I actually on my door, it says recording session. Like, you know, you can't come in, but any other time you can come in. They're allowed to interrupt me. So if I was talking to your daughters right now and you weren't in the room and I asked, how's your mother doing with the listening? How do you think they would authentically answer? That I could probably work on it. Okay. Well, that's good. That's honest. We're all working on it, right? Listening needs to be practiced. And I'm, I'm actually reading several books on how to be a better listener. One title I have in one of my work pursuits is I'm actually the head of listening for this group called Path North because I love listening to the members and to the stakeholders and to the partners. And it was a whimsical title at first, but I think it's appropriate for, you know, what I do there. I love, li- I'm a sponge around people like you and the others I'm fortunate enough to meet. So listening, I think can't uh, ever be uh, overstated as how important it is. Yeah. I can tell you're a great listener. Well, I'm talking too much right now, but that's because I have so many questions for you. One thing I wanted to also ask you about Kalika is you're still young, but do you ever think about your legacy, you know, David Brooks famously talked about the two documents. Are you spending more time building your resume or working on your eulogy? Have you thought about that at all? I used to think about the legacy and then I've decided I'm going to live my legacy every single day. What changed that thinking for you? I'm sure that people have talked about it before. I, I can't really remember, but to, to think that at 98 or however you know, right. old I want to live till God willing. that that is going to be the pinnacle. Like it didn't make sense to me. I often travel in time in my head, you know, like, okay, if I'm 88, who do I want around me? You know, mm-hmm. I want my husband around me. I want my family around me. Mm-hmm. Like what decisions do I have to make today to make that happen? That's good. I mean, that's why I stopped, I stopped drinking in 2014, you know, okay. and I wasn't drinking very much, you know, like, but in my, in my um, family, 
My uncle committed suicide. He was an alcoholic. My grandfather on the same side, my mom's side, he also mm. died of alcoholism. And, you know, an mm-hmm. EL, you know, entrepreneurs organization, like, you know, we were just drinking a lot. And I didn't even like to drink. So I just, right. I just cut it out, you know, and. Experience sharing. Uh, my father's an alcoholic, so I can relate yeah. to this. I'm sorry I interrupted you. What were you going to, you replaced it with what? Meditation. Okay. I, it took me a long time because, man, I mean, everyone would drink like, and like, just like a big California cab. Like, I'd just be like, oh my God, I would just love a California cab mm. right now. Then now I just don't even, it's just not in my repertoire. I bet people are, are noticing that more than you realize, you know, for the good. Do you ever think about who you're role modeling for? You have various platforms, podcast, a couple of different companies your civic work. Do you ever think about who's watching you, who's following you? Who's following me? You know, I just would love to see more female entrepreneurs succeed. When mm-hmm. I was looking at some stats, there's 15 million male entrepreneurs. There's only 12 million female entrepreneurs. There's 3 million, you know. That's in the U.S.? In the U.S. Yeah, sorry, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, why? What is stopping you from coming up with a great ideas? And I look at all the you know, there's several companies who've made, you know, over a billion dollars, like even Kendra Scott, right? She was mm-hmm. an EO. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she started off with $500 as a single mom hawking her jewelry door to door. Like, we need more of that. What's your current thinking about why there are not more female entrepreneurs? Is it just society or is it something wired inside women that they choose to do other things? There is are it 12 the, behaviors that hold women back. And 12 there's a great behaviors. Book. There's, there's a book by Sally Hegelsman and Marshall Goldsmith called How Women Rise. And if you're not aware of these behaviors, one of them being perfectionism, th- then you will be unconsciously holding you back all the time. Mm. I'm a recovering perfectionist myself. You know, that's why I didn't want to do, you know, when I was doing my podcast, I procrastinated for six months because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, it needs to be perfect. It needs to be perfect. It needs to be perfect. You know, start ugly. (laughs) Start before you're ready. I don't know if you've ever been around Gene Case. No, who's that? Steve Case was the AOL AOL. chairman. Yeah. Gene Case, his wife, Case Foundation, she's the CEO of. She's also now the first ever female head of the National Geographic Society in Washington, D.C. And she wrote a great book called Be Fearless. Be Fearless? It wasn't wasn't just about female entrepreneurs, but many of the stories were female-focused and really good read. And I'd love to introduce you to Jean sometime if you were ever inspired, uh, you know, once you looked at her book or something. But I'd love that. A real good thought leader um, in the female entrepreneur space. I want to bring up one other thing with you today before uh, I let you go. And that is meaning like you always seem happy to me and I Mm -hmm. know you're a human being. So that's inevitable that you're sometimes going to have down periods. We all do. What gives you the most meaning in your life when you're happy? It's contagious. I think meaning is a little different. I was actually asked to give a talk once on happiness because the host thought I was a happy person. But I, I accepted the speaking engagement, but I changed it on microphone. I said, we're going to talk not about happiness today because happiness is fleeting. 
I want to talk to you about meaning. What gives you the most meaning in your various pursuits? I think just like you, you love sharing wisdom. What gives me meaning is lifting others as we climb, as we mm-hmm. rise. And, and what allows you to do that, do you think? Is it your business? Is it uh, your show? My mom. Oh, oh, you like what I'm actually specifically doing? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. You know, you can change a life. You don't have to change. Like, I know my goal is like a million. Like, you don't have to change a million. A million entrepreneurs. Right. You just have to change one. Mm -hmm. That one person can be the catalyst for someone else. That's the kaleidoscope. That's That's God's kaleidoscope. Right. What inspired you to write the book? Is, is, Is part of your meaning pursuit in the form of the book? Yes. So the Little Brown book which thank you for bringing it up. was published by Harper Collins. Pretty recently. Um, is April. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, it was my first step towards educating people around who they are because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't spend enough time with who they are. So that's why they don't have a purpose, right? You're spending time with me now. So I'm getting a chance to know you. Mm-hmm. Um, we spend time with their family and we ask them questions. We ask them questions like, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite book? What's your favorite app? Right? You what know, are you worried we, about? Yeah. We're, we're, we don't spend that time with ourselves. Mm. You know? So the book is basically about archetypes. Like I believe that everyone falls within these archetypes, but there's a primary and a secondary archetype. And if you understand who you are, it's just a little, you know, it's fun. It's like a quiz, you know, that you take. And um, my archetype is I am a maven leader. A maven is someone who teaches and a leader is someone who, you know, gets stuff done. Mm -hmm. So that combination, and there's 144 archetypes in the book, Mm. helps people take just the first step in getting to know who you are. So who's the audience for the book? It's not just female entrepreneurs. I thought it was, and maybe I'm wrong. It is because they're very like female, but I'm actually coming out with a second one. Please do. For men called Minimal Viable Brand. We need that. Us men, I'll speak for the male species. Um, We need that. We have 144 more archetypes for men. Well, they're all the same meaning. so, So I'll give you an example, like the Dollar Shave Club, Michael Dubin. He's the guy next door. That's his archetype. Really? He's, he's the regular guy. Mm. That's why he appeals to regular guy. That's why people loved him so much. Yeah. You know, he wasn't the rebel. He isn't Red Bull. He's a Mountain Dew goofy. Right. And right. He's, he's not the world's the reg- most interesting man. That great no, he, character on. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Know, like, yeah. With a swagger, you know, right. He's, right. he's just, dude, I don't want to pay $36 for a freaking shaver. Who's with me? We invested in a um, company called Man Crates, and it's in California. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Dollar Shave uh, founder. I don't know him like you do, but the Man Crate is like gifts for men. You know, females females are better at like chocolates or flowers or things to hang your purse with. What do men send each other? So he created these crates that you have to open with a crowbar. And it's like guy stuff, like different barbecue sauces or hunting knives and not even just like masculine gifts, but it kind of reminds me of what you're talking about. I think it's, it's so true. You need, 
this is like, you know, another, you know, really important business thing. You need to know who your audience is. Definitely. You know? that, that's what I asked you about the book. Like who, who was the audience for the book? And it sounds like the second book will be more uh, geared towards men. So I'll definitely uh, read that. Before we go, I have to correct you on one thing. You recently told me that you think you're the world's laziest person. Yes. And I think today's conversation proves how inaccurate <laughs> that label is. But do you, do you honestly believe that about yourself? You know what? The best programmers are lazy ones. Says who? You know why? That <laughs> I think so. I started off as a, you know, I was programming, you know, HTML. And then I'm always looking for shortcuts. Mm, I see what you mean. Efficiency and, and yeah. And automation. I see your point. You want to see how lazy I am? I'm so <laughs> lazy that I never want to make the same mistake twice. That's smart. That's not lazy. That's smart. It's lazy. Because I don't ever want to cry over that guy who cheated on me, whatever. Like, that is the one principle in my life. Never make the same mistake twice. Because I don't want to, I want to want to experience that again. <laughs> I got to say, I'm with Adam on this one. This is not lazy at all. This is being smart. This is. Our producer is laughing <laughs> over in the booth. because He had to chime in here. Okay, Just like figuring well, out you. ways to actually accomplish more and to be more effective. I love that about you. I mean, it, I'm making fun of the fact that you're, quote, wrong, unquote. But the point is, you're <laughs> tremendously accomplished. You want to do more. And I can attest to the okay, fact so that you I also. Just clarify. I, yes. I don't like to use my brain as much as it needs to. Yeah, to work smart. So like here I have my little, I, I showed this to you. I have my meditation tracker, right? It's my, I have mm -hmm. a habit tracker. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to have to say like, okay, what, which one is revitalizing breath after inspirational breath or is it before physical breath? I just don't want to do that. And so like, I have like a habit tracker here. I show you, I mean, a habit I tracker. video, a habit tracker, mm -hmm. the first one on my habit, guess, guess what? It's hugs. No, do you I think you honestly need to hug. read that reminder to help you hug people? Because I yes. think that's in your heart. You need to read that. No, I, you know what it is? It's a good reminder because when was the last time you gave your wife, your kids a 20 second hug? 20 seconds. I, mm. I, I downloaded this app called Relish and that was one of the tips because when you hug someone for 20 seconds, it releases oxytocin. Okay, you just mentioned Relish. That's an app. I was going to ask you, do you have any life hacks? So many podcasts are about efficiency and the most popular ones like Tim Ferriss and the Knowledge Project and Shane Parrish. It's all about life hacks. That. And oh, yeah, knowledge, you have Knowledge Tracker. What is that? Writing down. Yeah. Um, the Knowledge Project. Knowledge Project. Shane Parrish. It's one of the most popular on <laughs> Wall Street and also um, it, it's popular in Silicon Valley too. But anyway, my point is they're always exchanging ideas on life hacks or how to do things quicker, faster, better. You have a lot of those in your life. What's one of your favorite life hacks? And maybe it's this Relish app that you just told us about, but there's something else that you could uh, share with us. Give us some tips in being smarter and less lazy like you. <laughs> like me. I mean, I love Sam Harris's waking up app. There's a 30 day, you know, free trial. He's got a 50 day course. It's 10 minutes. And this guy's a scientist, you know, and right. I would recommend anyone that app, Wake the waking up, up app. Waking, waking up. up. Okay, I'll check that out. And I suspect we'll like it. And if so, we'll put it on the, the notes for the show here. 
You have given us so much to think about today, Kalika. I can't believe how fast the time has gone, but I'm so grateful that you gave us some of your valuable time today. Thank you so much, Adam. Maybe you should be on my podcast too. I want to learn about you. Can we turn the tables? I don't know. I'm the head of listening, but if it means more time uh, (laughs) learning from you, then maybe we can do that. We're going to do live. I'll do do my hair. (laughs) But until then, thank you so much and really grateful and all the best. Thank you so much. Wow. What a terrific episode, Dave. Kalika Yap has so much to offer. I don't know how we can limit it to five takeaways, but a few of the key points I will try to digest and incorporate into my own life. Number one, create a framework to understand your own values. Doing so and sticking to them will make all of your other decisions a lot easier. Number two, developing a theme. Kalita's is entrepreneurs, provides direction and can help you navigate the many paths that show up in front of you. And more to the point, career and life themes that generate feelings. Those are the ideal ones. Number three, slight changes in the angle that you look at things, changing the vantage point, can make opportunities look very different. I thought that was interesting. I don't know that I do that well. Number four, the priority Kalika places on daily meditation. I know I don't do that well. Uh, I don't meditate at all. I've tried and I find it very difficult, but she has me convinced of how valuable it can be. Number five, Perfectionism can hold us back. Start ugly, she said. I'd never heard that before. Start ugly. Now, she was being funny here, but I totally see her point. Don't wait until all the conditions are absolutely perfect to take your big chance. I love that one, Adam. That one's really powerful. I find myself like preparing and just continuing to prepare all the time because I don't feel ready to start doing something. Right. Just do it. Yes. Be a person of action. Very good. Love it. Uh, Those are great takeaways. And now it's time for this week's listener mailbag. Okay. Uh, We got a note here from Eric Ludwig. He says, Dear Adam, I had a great time listening to your podcast with Waverly last night. My son Ian and I were driving back from a soccer game and he listened so intently. Loved how it was a local guy from Kent State and was a relatable story. Oh, that's so nice listening with his son. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, really great. Uh, And then we also have a special shout out to Pablo Lopez, who is the co-founder of Mosina Coffee. And uh, he's a super committed entrepreneur building this coffee company right now. And he was the guest on another podcast last week uh, called The Bridge. Okay. And he mentioned up to on the podcast. Nice. So we'd like to uh, acknowledge that. Thank, thank him you, and, Pablo. And return the favor. So thank you so much, Pablo. Awesome. It's good coffee too, by the way. Have you had it? I have. Wonderful. Mosina coffee. Can others reach out to us? Adam? Yes, absolutely. We would love to hear from listeners. We'd love for the listeners to please forward the show to others if you're so inclined and to rate and review up to. That's how the show grows. Email me, text me. Send all the bad comments to Dave. That's right. I'm just kidding. But yes, we love feedback like what we got from Eric and Pablo today. A final thank you to Kalika Yap and a big thanks to all of you for listening to another episode of the Up To Podcast. Up To is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thanks to our producer and audio engineer, Dave Douglas. I'm your host, Adam Kaufman, and thank you so much for listening to the Up To Podcast. 